Over the past few months, um, my wife Rochelle and I have been watching a show called The Chosen. Uh, you can see the, uh, the, the picture there. Um, it's a TV series that's based on the life of Jesus. And this is actually the first time that Jesus' life has been portrayed in a multi-season episode-based TV series. There have been a lot of movies that have been made about Jesus' life. But this one is trying to kind of bring out the, the full depth of, of Jesus' ministry. And what they're doing is they're currently releasing episodes online through streaming services. That's kind of the, um, the, the world that we live in now. And they're, they're in the middle of season two. But their plan is to actually have seven seasons of, of kind of the life of Jesus um, in this series, The Chosen. And it, what, it, what it does is it takes what is recorded in the Gospels and is faithful to the Gospels. It's faithful to what we read there. But also what they kind of do is they imagine... Some of the, what the backstory might have been for some of the disciples and some of the individuals whom Jesus encountered in his ministry, kind of trying to flesh out a picture of maybe where some of these individuals came from. Um, and one of the things that I have just loved about this series, besides just the fact that it kind of brings the Bible to life, it kind of brings the ministry of Jesus to life on screen in that way, but it also gives us very intimate, personal portrayal of Jesus and his disciples. Um, because one of the unique things about the show is that it's not just sort of showing Jesus' miracles and his teaching, which is often what we see in the Gospels. We kind of move from miracle to miracle to teaching. But what it kind of does is it gives a window into what it might have been like for these disciples who lived their lives daily with Jesus over a three-year period. You know, as they're, as they're moving around from place to place, as they're hanging out together as a group. And one of the things that just shines through each episode of, of the series is Jesus' heart of compassion for his disciples and for the individuals that he encounters in his ministry. Well, today we're going to be starting um, a new sermon series that I'm going to be preaching through throughout the summer months that I'm calling Walking with Jesus. And that's what we're going to be doing this summer is walking with Jesus. We're going to be looking at passages from the early chapters in the Gospel of Mark in particular that give these glimpses into Jesus' early ministry and also what the disciples experienced as they walked with Jesus through these moments of, of his ministry. And it's kind of similar in some ways to what the chosen portrays. My hope is that as we sort of walk with Jesus um, through these passages week after week in the Gospel of Mark, that we will also better understand what it means to walk with Jesus in our everyday lives, too. Uh, because we are invited to walk with Jesus. Jesus didn't just live 2,000 years ago. He is alive. He is risen. And he's living and he's with us. And so my hope and prayer is that as we look at how Jesus walked with the disciples, that we'll also have a sense of maybe what that looks like in our lives to walk with Jesus on a daily basis. So my sermon title today is called to walk with Jesus. We're going to look at the moment when Jesus officially calls and appoints his full group of 12 disciples. Um, you know, he calls individuals before that, but this is kind of where he really begins to form them as a group. Um, and what this moment teaches us about how Jesus calls us to walk with him. We'll look at how he, he speaks that to the disciples and also um, what it means for us. So today our text is Mark chapter 3. And we'll be reading verses 13 through 19. So Mark chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. 
And they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the the name Bonerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this moment, Jesus, where you called those 12 disciples together um, in the beginning of, of, this, of your ministry, we pray that uh, you would give us insight into how you're calling us too, to yourself and calling us to walk with you um, as your disciples as well. So open our hearts and our, our ears and, and speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to look at three different aspects of what it means to be called to walk with Jesus that we see in this passage. Um, again, we're going to look at what that looks like for the 12 disciples and what it looks like for us. So the first thing that we see is that Jesus calls us to be with him. He calls us to be with him. Um, now, earlier in Mark's gospel, we actually see a couple of moments where Jesus calls individual disciples uh, to follow him. So in chapter one, he calls Peter and Andrew, and then he calls James and John from their fishing. They're in the middle of fishing, and he calls them to follow him. Um, in chapter two, he goes to a tax collector, identified as Levi there, but also uh, we know is, is uh, also known as Matthew, and, and, and he calls him from his, from his tax collecting booth. Um, and, and Mark doesn't record the individual callings of all the other 12 disciples, uh, but actually in the Gospel of John, we read about another moment where Jesus called Philip and Nathaniel, who is also known as Bartholomew. But here in chapter 3, we get this, this broad calling where he, he, all these different individuals, he begins to call them to himself. And, and so in verse 13, we read, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted And they came to him. He appointed 12. So Jesus calls and appoints these 12 men in a unique way. Now, there's a couple of things to note about just this calling of the 12. Um, That there's a significance, first of all, to the fact that Jesus calls 12 of them. Because that number 12, if you think back to the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel. And so here Jesus is calling 12 disciples to be a part of his primary community. He's kind of calling back to the beginning of Israel, too. Um, In our scripture reading from Exodus 19, we also see another element of what Jesus is doing here. Jesus goes up onto a mountainside to call the disciples. And in Exodus 19 that that Rochelle read, um, Moses goes up on the mountainside onto Mount Sinai. And it is there on Mount Sinai that God sort of calls together the Israelites to be his nation. You know, the ones who he has rescued from slavery in Egypt and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And so here God sort of forms this group of of them um, on the mountain. And so here Jesus, he's being very intentional about how he does this. He goes up on a mountain like Moses. He picks 12 disciples 
And so what he's doing here is symbolically, he is saying that he is forming a new people. He is forming the people of God in a new way. He's taking a subset from within Israel and calling them to himself. And he's giving them a new identity. They are going to be the new Israel, the new people of God that are in, in, in line with the people of Israel. But Jesus is doing something new here as he calls his disciples to him. And so as he does this, as he calls these 12 to himself, the first thing that he calls them to do is, in verse 14, that they might be with him. That they might be with him. And so Jesus, first and foremost, he calls his disciples to be with him. Before he calls them to do anything, to, to, to go out and, no, 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 the first thing he wants from his disciples is to be with him. Back in 2005, I went on a summer mission trip to Manila, the capital of the Philippines, that I've talked about in some of my other sermons. It's, in fact, the, the trip in the summer that I met my wife, Rochelle, on that same trip. But what I was doing on that trip was I, I led a group of students to live in a community that is called Smoky Mountain, which was a mountain of garbage that got its name from the fires that would spontaneously start from all the methane gases coming off of the garbage. And what we did while we were in this community of Smoky Mountain, we worked with a Filipino Catholic priest named Father Ben Beltran, who had served in this community for many, many years. And when we first arrived at Smoky Mountain and we met Father Ben, he told us something right off the bat. He said, you know what, when, a, when people come to our community, from the United States, most people, when they come here, they are focused on what they can do, what they can do for the people. They see this poverty and they say, we got to fix this. What can we do? And he told us, though, that before you can do anything, he wanted us to simply be, to be with the people, to actually get to know them, to hear their stories to learn from them, and, and to be, in a way, also to, to pay attention to what God is already doing in this community. And, and this was the, the, the phrase that really stuck with me. Father Ben said, you know, we are human beings, not human doings. <laughs> that our primary identity is to, is to be, not necessarily to do. And Jesus has the same kind of perspective with his disciples. Before they could do things for him, he first wanted them to be with him. And we're going to see a little bit later that Jesus does call them to do things, to do certain things, but, but that doing needs to flow out of being with him. A couple of years ago, our church went through the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by uh, Pastor Pete Scazzaro. And if, if you're, those of you who are a part of um, that series when we did it, if you remember, um, Pete Scazzaro talks about this tendency that we sometimes have as Christians to focus on doing things for God, but neglecting to be with God. Um, and so he writes this in that book. He says, work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually be contaminated by other things such as ego, power, needing approval of and from others, and buying into the wrong ideas of success and the mistaken belief that we can't fail. When we work for God because of these things, 
Our experience of the gospel often falls off center. Our experiential sense of worth and validation gradually shifts from God's unconditional love for us in Christ to our works and performance. The joy of Christ gradually disappears. Our activity for God can only properly flow from a life with God. That's the end of the quote. So as we talk over the summer about this idea of walking with Jesus, it's important to remember that walking with Jesus starts with actually being with him, spending time with him. For the disciples, that was kind of easy, right? I mean, in the sense that they were literally living life with him. They, they spent time with him. They walked around with him wherever he went over those three years. They were listening to him. They were spending time with him. So what does that look like for us today in our lives? Well, actually, for us, in some ways, we have it better than the disciples did because Jesus is not limited by time or space like he was when he ministered with the disciples. He is able to be present with each and every one of us, wherever we are, right? We can walk with Jesus at our home, when we're here at church, when we're out in the neighborhood, because when Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to be his very presence with us and in us. And so Jesus, he is with us. He is present with us. The question is, are we aware of his presence? Are we aware of the fact that he's with us? Are we setting aside time in our days to be with him, to intentionally focus on him, to speak to him, to listen to him? Last fall, I preached on a sermon series called Rhythms of Rest that kind of flowed out of my sabbatical last summer. And what we looked at, if you remember, last fall was these spiritual practices and rhythms that can lead to rest in our lives. And most of those rhythms are centered around being with Jesus. You know, we talked about the value of taking time to be silent and still, just to be in God's presence. We talked about the value, the rhythm of solitude, of, of carving out specific time in our day to just be with God, apart from any distractions that can so easily creep in. We talked about rhythms of prayer and reading scripture and, and asking God to examine our hearts. And, and maybe you want to look, go back and listen to some of those messages that I preached last fall on our website um, or on our YouTube channel. You know, to, to, to get a refresher if, if you're feeling, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Because my question for you today is, is several months from that series, how are you doing with those rhythms in your life? How are you doing with, with spending time in solitude and silence and in prayer, in scripture reading? Are you taking time in your life to simply be with Jesus? And maybe if you realize that, that you haven't been doing that very well recently, don't get stuck in feelings of guilt and shame, but just hear Jesus' invitation to you again today that he wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you. He's longing for that, for you and for me. And so hear that call to him today that he wants to walk with you. And the place to start with that walking with Jesus is to spend time with him. Now, the next thing that we see about Jesus' call to walk with him is that Jesus calls us to walk with him in community. In community. 
As I mentioned earlier, you know, the Gospel of Mark records a few of these moments where Jesus calls individuals to follow him. But when he does, whenever he calls an individual, he doesn't call that individual to follow him individually. He calls them to follow him and join the community of disciples that he has called to follow him. And, and so in our text, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's taking these 12 individuals and he is bringing them into a communal identity. Now they are the 12. They are the disciples. They are the apostles. And they are going to be living and walking with him in their lives, but they're not going to be doing it individually. They're going to be doing it together as a community. And the same thing applies to us. As Jesus calls us to walk with him in our daily lives, he calls us to do it in community. Now, of course, as I I just mentioned, there are times where we need to connect with Jesus personally, individually, where we do have that time of solitude with him. But if our only connection with Jesus is just me and him, we're missing out on a whole big part of what it means to walk with Jesus, which is that we're called to do it in community with others. And a primary way that Jesus does this is by calling us to be a part of a community of believers in a local congregation, in a a local church, right? We are a community that are gathered to walk with Jesus together. Now, I know that this has been a lot more challenging this past year, hasn't it, during this COVID pandemic. Now, a lot of us, I think, have felt very isolated during this past year. We haven't been able to gather and, and walk together as a community in some of the ways that we normally do in a, in a typical year. And yet, at the same time, I have been really encouraged to see new ways that God has been creating community within our body, even during this very strange year of the COVID pandemic. One of the places that that has happened, that I've really seen it happen, has been through our weekly prayer meeting on Zoom, where we're, we're able to call in to this prayer meeting from our various homes, wherever we are. Some people aren't even necessarily in Brooklyn when they're calling into the prayer meeting, right? But we're able to come in and be a part of this community together, especially in those early months of the pandemic. That weekly prayer time, I felt was just this crucial time for us as a community to sort of check in with each other, to share our griefs, And our fears and our frustrations and our needs as we were all walking through this same experience together, but in affecting us in different ways. And we were able in that community to pray for each other, to share those needs and to pray together, to lift those things up to God together, to walk with Jesus together. You know, even as we've been able to begin to do more and more things in person over the past few months, that online prayer time has continued to be this space where Jesus is walking with us as a community. And maybe you haven't had a chance to sign on to that prayer call. And I encourage you maybe to to, to join us this week or or one of the weeks during the summer. We're going to keep it going throughout the summer too on Tuesday nights at 7.30 to join with us in prayer as we walk together as a community. There are a lot of other ways that's happening. In our youth ministry that Pastor Brandon's been leading throughout this time, walking with our youth through um, using creative means, through through online um, youth meetings and and now beginning to have in-person But what what I want to encourage you today is to think about is whether and how you are walking with Jesus in community right now. Are you doing that? Or are you just doing it kind of solo? Maybe those of you who are watching our service online, some of you aren't able to to come back and join us in person yet. Um, Maybe maybe you don't even live near us and and so you're, you're disconnected in that way. 
But my question for you, even those who are watch, watching with us online, is how could you connect with our community, with the church, our, our commu- the community of our church, even um, remotely? Again, maybe joining us on a prayer meeting or thinking about joining a small group. Some of those are online. Or, um, or, or whether that's watching our service with a few other people in your home, you know, connecting and talking about the service with others after the service. Um, I think for all of us, even those who are gathered here today, what would it look like for us to think of creative ways to walk with Jesus in community this summer? To, to, as, as things begin to open up, as there are more opportunities to be outside, what are ways that we could walk with Jesus as a community during, during these next few months? Now, one of the interesting things about this community, though, before we move on to the, to, to the third and final point, though, is the kind of community that Jesus forms. Because if you look at the list of these 12 disciples that Jesus calls together, it's quite an interesting mix of people. On the one hand, we have these uneducated fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. On the other hand, we have this tax collector, you know, kind of a little bit more upper class, you know, Matthew, who, who was working for the Roman government, for the Roman Empire. But then you got Simon the Zealot. And the zealots were a group of people who wanted to violently overthrow the Roman government. So in this group of 12 disciples, you got Matthew, who's working for Rome, and Simon, who wants to overthrow Rome. And yet they're part of the same community. They're part of the same group. You know what? Jesus does the same thing today. As he calls together his community, together, there's a lot of difference among us, right? He calls people from different ethnic backgrounds, different educational and socioeconomic backgrounds, different professions, different political opinions. And he calls us all, though, into the same community of faith. You know, earlier this year, we went through a series on God's heart for all nations, where we talked about how God's intention from the very beginning was always to form a group of people for himself who were different who are diverse, who are from different nationalities, different backgrounds. And we see that vision ultimately fulfilled in the book of Revelation, where we see all people from all these nations worshiping God ultimately in heaven. But as we talked about on, at the end of that series, that, that, that we, we want to see glimpses of that here today too. Right? That we want to see that happening. And, and I'm so grateful for our own congregation that, that brings together people from various backgrounds and, and, and ethnicities to be able to worship God together. And so as Jesus calls us to walk with him in community, again, a question for you to think about is, are you experiencing the richness of being a part of a diverse community of believers? You know, in, even in our own congregation, do you, do you spend most of your time with people who are just like you? Or are you willing to kind of bridge and, and, and relate to those who are different, whether that's generationally, whether that's, again, ethnically, or, or various differences that we have? Because as we walk together with Jesus... One of the things he wants us to do is to learn from each other and to be shaped and challenged by each other, even in our differences. That certainly happened among the 12 disciples, and I pray that our congregation will continue to embrace this as a gift that God's given to us here in Brooklyn. Well, the third and final aspect of walking with Jesus that we see in our text is that Jesus then sends us out as we walk with him. Um, Jesus calls his disciples to be with him. He calls them to be together as a community, but then he also calls them together so that he might send them out. 
Um, and we see this in verse 14, where we read, he appointed 12, designating them apostles. Now that word apostle actually means one who is sent, a sent one. And so part of what Jesus is, is calling these disciples to be is not just to be disciples, which means to be those who are being taught by Jesus, but he also is calling them to be apostles, which means people who are sent into the world to reach others. And that's exactly what the rest of verses 14 and 15 say. It says that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So from the very beginning, Jesus is always training his disciples to be sent out as his representatives. You know, think back to, again, in Mark 1, Jesus calls Peter and Andrew. And he says, come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. I'm going to make you fish for people. Right from the very beginning, he says, part of what my call to you is that you're going to go find other people. Right? He's preparing them for the end of Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 28, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? So he's always calling us to be with him, to be together as a community so that we can also be sent out. And later on in Mark, Mark 6, Jesus begins to do this with his disciples. He sends them out to some of the villages. And he sends them out to do the very things he says in this passage, to preach and to drive out demons. So as we are called to walk with Jesus, does he call us to do the same things? To preach and to drive out demons? My guess is that for some of you, you're thinking, that sounds a little intimidating. <laughs> I'm supposed to get up and preach on the, on the, on the, uh, the corner or and I'm supposed to drive out demons from people? How, how does that work? Well, I believe that Jesus does call us to this, but it might look a little different from what you might be imagining or expecting. So first of all, the Greek word that's translated preach here means to proclaim or to announce. And so it's not just talking about what I'm doing here, preaching a sermon in front of a large group of people. But part of what that word preach or proclaim is talking about is just we can do that one-on-one -on -one with someone. It's just talking about what Jesus has done for you in your life. It's talking about how God has made an impact in your life and being able to speak about Jesus to someone else. So yeah, we're called to, to do that. It's something that every believer is called to do. As 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We should be ready to speak about that, the reason that we have hope. The reason that, that Jesus brings us hope. Um, now, what about driving out demons? Um, well, the Bible does say that there is a real, there are real spiritual forces of evil in this world. And there is a real enemy who seeks to destroy God's work and who des desires to put people in bondage to their sins and to trap us in guilt. And, and most of us are probably not going to be faced with exercising a demon from someone. But... We are called as God's people to go into a world that is very influenced by the realities of evil, by the evil one, by, by Satan himself. For people who are trapped in sin, who are bound up in despair, and who need to be liberated, who need to be freed from that. And that is what we're called to do. A couple months ago, Pastor Brandon, um, on that, that, that weekly midweek prayer Zoom call, he shared a prayer request with, with us. And just so you know, I did ask him if it was okay to share this with our, in my sermon today. So and he said it was okay. Um, 
But this friend that, that Brandon began to, to share about was a friend who was struggling with suicidal thoughts, struggling with whether or not um, his life had any meaning, whether or not he should, should go on. And Brandon was really worried about this friend. And so he asked us on this prayer call to pray for him, to pray for this friend. And so we did. We, we, we prayed for him. And I met with Brandon um, later that week and, and asked, you know, how's your friend doing? And asked him how he was doing, too, as, as he's ministering to this friend. And he shared about how he'd been on the phone with this friend for hours and that, that he was continually reminding this friend that, that his life had value, that God loved him. And, and, and Brandon was looking for very practical ways to help him. He said, you know, hey, if you are on that verge of thinking about suicide, call me at any time. My phone will be on. Right? Any, any moment, just, just give me a call. Well, in the following weeks, Brandon began to update us on that Zoom call and shared that, that his friend was doing a lot better, that, that he'd gotten a job, that he'd start, started seeing a counselor, and that he was in a much more stable place. And, and so we, together as a community, were able to rejoice with Brandon in the fact that God had been working in this friend's life. He'd been working even through our prayers. But here's the thing. Jesus sent Brandon out into that friend's life so that he, this friend, could be rescued from the dark place that he was trapped in, right? He was trapped there. He was wondering if, if there was any hope. And, and Brandon was able to be Jesus' representative to speak a word of hope to his friend, to be able to point him to Jesus. And you know what? While Brandon was doing that, Jesus was walking with him. And and what Jesus was wanting to do through Brandon was to show that friend that Jesus wanted to walk with his friend too. So as we close, I want to leave us with, with just three questions to ponder. And the first question is, how is Jesus calling you to be with him? How is he calling you to be with him? How is he calling you to create space in your days, to spend time with him, just to be in his presence um, again, maybe to think very practically about this, what's one thing that maybe you could even do today or this week to be with Jesus, especially if you realize you haven't spent a lot of time with Jesus recently? The second question is, how is Jesus calling you into community? Is there a way that, that you could make following Jesus in community more of a priority in your life and what would that look like? What, what, what could that look like within our, our church body or, or with other believers that you're connected with? Is there something, again, that he wants you to do even maybe this week to begin to step into that direction, to be a part of community? And then the last question is, how is Jesus sending you? Is there a person in your life that Jesus is wanting to reach out to through you? Maybe a neighbor or a coworker or a family friend or a a friend, um, you know, a family member or a friend? Is there someone who needs to hear the good news of Jesus? Is there someone who is trapped in sin or despair that you know and Jesus is calling you to be an agent of bringing his liberating power into that person's life? Now, those questions, as you read them, they might feel a little bit burdensome to you. Maybe you're feeling convicted as I'm reading those, those questions and you're realizing maybe you're, you're falling short in one or, or maybe all of those areas. And so if you're feeling that way, I want you to know you're not alone because those 12 disciples, they didn't walk with Jesus perfectly. 
They didn't. You know, those, those same 12 disciples that Jesus called to be with him and to, to follow him and send them out, when Jesus was arrested, they all abandoned Jesus. They ran away. And they, they, they hid in fear. They didn't want to be sent out. They wanted to, to just be comfortable. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he came to them. And he didn't come to them to reprimand them for not following him as well as they should have. But he came to them with words of forgiveness and peace and restoration. And he just simply said, hey guys, follow me again. I'm sending you out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we close... By, we're going to sing a, a hymn of response, and then we're going to partake of communion t- together today. And as we go into communion, I want to encourage you to just confess to the Lord. If there's one of these areas that you realize that you're falling short, bring that to him. And as you do, know that even in this meal that we're about to partake of, that Jesus is present here with us today too. He's present with us in that meal. And he's reassuring us that he's paid for our sin in full. He has nothing but love and compassion for us. And he calls us to walk with him not as a burden, but actually as a gift. That we get to walk with Jesus. That he wants us to know him more. And he wants us to experience the power of being sent in his name to bring that life to others. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you do want to walk with us. Lord, we who are imperfect, we who fall short of your standards, we who sometimes are trapped by fear or with busyness or distraction, Lord, that that you want us to be with you and you want us to be with you for our good. Thank you that you forgive us, Lord, for the ways we fall short of this and, and that you invite us, Lord, to experience your grace and your mercy as we walk with you. And so show us, Lord, what that looks like even today as we as we wrestle with these questions and, and throughout the summer, Lord, as we walk with you and the disciples through the gospel of Mark, that you would show us more and more what it means to walk with you in our, our daily lives and that we would experience that, Lord, not just learn about it, but that we live it out in our lives as we are with you, as we're in community, and as we're sent to people around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.